So uh, our theme for the day, watering the flowers and putting up weeds, it's a, it's, a, it's a term that we heard in Deer Park Monastery down in Escondido. It's um, been all Thich Nhat Hanh's way of uh, guiding people on the path and it's, they particularly use it when they come together as a group. So every now and again the, the community comes together and they um, tend the flowers Ooh. tend the flowers in, in each other's gardens and pull up weeds in each other's gardens. Uh, so it's something that we, we do for each other. And that's not, not literal gardens, but gardens of the heart and mind. So they have times they meet together and uh, offer reflection to each other on how, how good a person is and the good qualities and the good aspects and also on the, the parts that need a bit of work. And uh, we, we quite like that, that theme. We also do a similar kind of practice together in community because uh, when you're, when you're you know, on the spiritual path, if you're only around people who tell you the good bits, then uh, you, know, you might get a, a great tree growing, but it's, it's completely filled up, cl- clogged up with vines of uh, pride and um, self-conceit or, or whatever it might be. And if you only live with people who tell you what's wrong, you know, it's a pretty barren and struggling kind of garden. So, uh, so there's this balance uh, that, that really comes from a place of compassion. So I always think like the, you know, the one who's offering, who's taking care of the, the flowers or the, the, the wholesome qualities within our own heart and mind so we so for our, with ourselves when we're taking care when we're noticing and taking care of the the beauty and the strength and the courage and the patience and uh, kindness within ourselves when we notice that and appreciate it and take care of it it grows and, and flourishes it gets stronger and uh, when we when we uh, Ignore if we do that and ignore the weeds, which is like fear, greed, anger, aversion, confusion. Then it's all a bit of a jungle, and sometimes you might, uh, you know, enjoy a beautiful flower, and other times you're just kind of lost in a some kind of poison oak. So we need to tend these these gardens of our own mind, heart and mind, and. I think a lot of, I think for many people, we might be quite uh, astute at noticing the weeds. We've, we hone in on those weeds quite a lot, and we're, we're we're often sort of you know, oh, there's another, you know, there's another weed, there's another thing that's wrong, there's another thing I've got to get rid of. But we don't take proper care of what we want to tend, so we can uh, end up with a very dry mind dry experience, dry heart, if we're always looking at what's wrong, what's missing, what's not good enough, then it's, you know, we, we're, we're doing good work, but it's not balanced. And in a way, it's not really compassionate, it's critical. And if we're starting from a place of criticism, it's not really going to lead to freedom. <laughs> it might lead to everything being the way we think it should be, but it won't lead to a sense of freedom and joy and release. So it's very important to, to notice, like, well, how am I tending the, the garden of my own heart here? You know, is, is there a lot of uh, a lot of weeding going on, but not not many 
not much enjoyment, not much, uh, not much time to smell the flowers or even see the flowers because it's all everything's being dug up all the time and poisoned and cut out. And so we have to see how how are we relating to our heart and mind and our own practice. So if we are meeting with this kind of critical uh, ruthless in a way mind state, it's it's going to lead to a a kind of a struggling old experience is not going to it's not going to bring us the joy and freedom that we're looking for and also if we only pay attention to the good parts and we don't take, pay attention to the weeds then it's it becomes a bit of a mess so we have to find that balance and to use the the tool of compassion to do that with so you know we 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 see the the weeds the fear the anger the laziness, jealousy, whatever it may be, confusion, doubt. We see those going on in our own heart and mind and how they kind of strangle everything. They, they, um, they stop us from being able to really open and enjoy the, the experience of this moment. They colour everything, they strangle everything. We can't move around freely with those. And uh, so we see that... And we know these need attention, you know, just one by one. You don't try and do everything at once. You're just like, okay, this needs attention right now. And, uh, you know, you have to really be honest in, before you start because if we don't want to acknowledge any of these qualities, then then we, then we just sort of say, oh, it's all right, it's all the garden, it's all the same, you know. So that doesn't work either. So we have to acknowledge that, okay, there's jealousy present. I don't want to have jealousy in my heart. I don't want to be a jealous person, but I feel really jealous, and it feels like this. And to really be with the feeling of that, feel the the, the poisonousness of it. It's it, it hurts oneself and it hurts others. And then to recognise like this is really a kind of toxic feeling. Do I want to cultivate this or not? And if we don't allow ourselves to feel it, then we don't know what to do. But if we allow ourselves to feel it, it's like, this feels really painful. I don't want to cultivate this. And it might might be that we can't, you know, just as it is with plants, you can't always just get rid of them because we want to. It can take a lot of work and a lot of persistence and effort. But it's through really feeling it and knowing the, the dukkha or the suffering of the, that uh, mind state that we're inspired and encouraged to, to transform it and dig it out. And uh, you know the, the, the plants that we want to cultivate in our garden are, are things like the generosity. It's an amazing antidote to jealousy, actually. Feeling jealous. Jealousy is about, I want something for myself that I'm not getting. I, I, or envy, I, I hate that person because they're getting what I want. Generosity, I've got something that I really like and I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to give it away or give some of it to somebody else because it gives me joy, it might give them joy. It's like the complete opposite. So, you know, we can, we can go directly from the, the contraction and, and pulling back and the, the um, it comes from an inner sense of lack, you know, all of these things, fear and jealousy and anger and generally and there's times when anger and fear are, are important but 
generally comes from like an, or desire or so they come from an inner sense of there's something missing I need something I haven't got or somebody else has got something that I want so uh, it's a kind of miserable state it's, it's a state of always living in lack and, and however much we get however good it might be that's because that mind state is present it's never quite enough there's always somebody else who's got more better or you know, there's always something wrong with my situation because in this world it's never perfect ever unless we appreciate it as it is then it becomes perfect so uh, to recognize when we're getting caught in those states that are, that are tangling us up and to feel what they feel like and to know, it's really important to know this is not who and what I am. This is a state that is arising, it's conditioned. It has a, it has a history behind it, a story behind it, and it's happening now, and it's going to influence the present and the future if I follow it. And then just to really see, do I want to follow this, or do I want to actually hold back and start to work out how can I root this out, how can I transform this into back into the path so uh, generosity is an amazing tool and you can use it in so many ways it can be it can be even just a slight shift of heart you don't even have to be physically giving something but it can be that shift of heart from I resent that that person's having what they're getting what that that to I'm really glad for you may you have more you know it's just just to just you can experiment with it we're not uh, we're not bound by our thoughts our thoughts don't have to rule our life we have some if you have awareness then we have some uh, some say over the thoughts that we cultivate and the mental states that we cultivate so um so we can actively cultivate wholesome qualities and we can actively hold back, like put the reins on unwholesome qualities of mind. But I think another, another thing that we often miss is to, uh, you know, we, again I'm saying like we notice maybe we're sitting in meditation and then um, a sort of an irritation arises, we're feeling a bit irritated about something. And then maybe we notice, oh, that's, that's irritation and ill will. That's one of the hindrances of enlightenment. Irritation and ill will. And, and, uh, and we notice that. It's like, oh, there I go again. I'm, I'm just always doing that, aren't I? I'm always going on about the things that are wrong. And I, should, I should just really should stop doing that. And so then we kind of add irritation onto irritation. And I think what we often miss is um, noticing what is not, the unwholesome qualities that are not present. And I really encourage you to do this as a, as a meditation practice sometime today to just be aware of the, there's the five hindrances which I always like to mention because I think they're very important. Um, ill will, sensual desire, restlessness, sloth and trouble, sleepiness and dullness and doubt. So these are the five hindrances to enlightenment. Ill will, aversion, Sensual desire, so it's not wanting, wanting, restlessness, wanting to get rid of this, or sleepiness, wanting to 
zone out. So they're all ways of not really being present. And then doubt, which just keeps us going round and round in circles. So those five might be playing, any one of those, or more than one of those five might be playing out at any time. And we need to kind of be discerning to notice well, what's going on here. You know, are any of these present now? And go through them. You know, is there ill will present now? And then you might notice, no, there's no ill will for present, but I'm really looking forward to what's, what we're going to eat in half an hour. So maybe there's some sense of desire present, but there's no ill will. So then appreciate the absence of ill will. Don't just go immediately, to default immediately to the thing that's to the next, um, you know, okay, well, there's, I, and I don't have ill will, but I do have sensual desire, therefore I'm not really doing it right or something. But to, is there ill will present? No. Enjoy the space. Enjoy the, the absence, the emptiness of ill will. It's a lovely state. <laughs> Enjoy it. And then, is there sensual desire present? Maybe there is. Okay, you know, what is that like, being with that? Is it, is it really, you know, is it harming me? Is it, is it something, am I going to do harm through it? Is it something I can kind of keep reins on? Is it going to be gratified soon, you know? Just to, just to kind of get a check on, on what's going on. And then at some point, maybe a little bit after the meal, that will have faded because you would have been gratified. And then it's like, oh, there's no, no sense or desire present. And then is there restlessness present? Maybe the body's feeling really restless. So rather than feeling irritated about restlessness or, or believing in it, identifying this is real, I've got to get out, I've got to do something, you know, breathe through the restlessness. Have compassion for that. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an agitated state. You know. Calm the bodily formation, as the Buddha says, calm the mental formation. So, uh, you know, we, we, we're not slaves. We don't have to be slaves to our minds, our thoughts and feelings. And then uh, sleepiness and dullness is quite a difficult one. Have to, often you have to just do something, get up, stand up. Or uh, one thing that I found very helpful is to contemplate, this might be my last breath. That wakes you up. So really, with the in-breath, this could be my last breath, as a real reflection, not just like, oh, just, what if this is my last breath? And then, oh, you know, I want to be here. I want to know what's going on. I, want to, I don't want to be half asleep. So that's a quite, I find, quite a useful practice when the mind is dull. And then doubt, you know, when there's, when there's doubt present, then... Rather than going round and round in doubt, just try something. You know, if you're not sure what you're supposed to be doing, just try something and do that for some time and see what the results are. Experiment. So, uh, you know, none of these things have any real. They're not. Uh, they're just passing. They're all just kind of passing states, and we tend to identify with them and kind of become them. And then we criticise ourselves for, for the, you know, for getting caught in that again, and for, for doing that again. And so I think it's very, very important to check in every now and again and just see, you know, what is present and what is absent. And really appreciate the absence 
of any one of those hindrances, any one of them. So I've never really, I don't think I've ever experienced more than, I don't think I've ever experienced more than two at a time, at one time. So even when there's two running away like crazy, there'll be three that aren't. So that's good. <laughs> so you can put your mind there. It's just like when you have a pain in your body and it's like, oh, I've got pain in my knee, pain in my knee. What about the other knee? Oh, there's no pain in that knee. I hadn't noticed. You know, it's just like that. So it's like, you don't have to get caught by the thing that's grabbing your attention most strongly. You can train your mind to be aware of the whole, the whole picture. And then, uh, you know, like I say, with, when, the, when the hindrances are present, one thing is to just know them. So the Buddha speaks about knowing the mind affected by lust as affected by lust, and knowing the mind that's not affected by lust as not affected by lust. I love that kind of teaching, it's like knowing the mind that's affected by ill will as affected by ill will, and knowing the mind that isn't affected by ill will as not affected by ill will. It's, it's incredibly simple teaching, and yet we kind of miss it, because we, we, the mind is affected by ill will, we, we take it as real, we become it, we act on it, we, you know, we either suppress it or indulge in it, and then it's all kind of a bit of a mess. But he's saying just know it. Just know when it's so you can you can be with the feeling. You can know how it is. You can know the dukkha of it, the 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 stress or the irritation of that, and then keep letting it go. And knowing the mind that is free from lust or ill will is free from those qualities. Free from them. There's freedom in the mind in that moment. And I think that's what we miss so easily. We either kind of dull out or, you know, it's like, oh, there's nothing really going on. So, or we just look for the next thing that's wrong. So let's spend a little bit more time with the, the freedom that is already present in our minds. Even if it's just little, little bits. So we know the practice, it's, it's all kind of leading to awakening, to freedom and awakening. And sometimes we, we put that goal too far away and we feel like, you know, oh, it's, I'm not really practicing for awakening, I'm just trying to you know, be a little bit less crazy or a little bit more peaceful. But if we cultivate these qualities of awareness and uh, appreciating the absence of unwholesome states, uh, cultivating wholesome states, restraining unwholesome states, if we, if we do that, then it's naturally leading to awakening. That's, that's where it goes. And uh, it's not that there's any one person you know, that we can say, well, I'm this kind of person, so I can't really do it, or I'm always going to be like that. No, we can, uh, we can. We're not fixed. We weren't born fixed. We have we have tendencies and leanings, but this is a an opportunity. This lifetime is an opportunity for transformation, cultivation, and uh, guiding our body and speech and mind in the the right direction. So there are many places in the suttas where the Buddha encourages us in this way, and somehow often what gets passed down is the, the teaching about suffering, you know, so we think, oh, the Buddha talks a lot about suffering, and 
he talks a lot about appreciating one's virtues, appreciating generosity, enjoying the the act of giving, and the and the the, the benefits that come through giving, the the freedom and the joy that come through living in a skillful way. And, uh, and he really encourages us to notice, notice the, bring to mind, recollect, bring frequently to mind your virtue. It doesn't mean you have to be perfectly virtuous, but the virtue that is present or that, that is lived, bring that to mind, appreciate it, feel good about it. And, uh, and also generosity, particularly talks about those two. Bring to mind any acts of generosity that you may have had in a day. And it can be even just like letting somebody go ahead of you, you know, holding back for a moment in the car while somebody else pulls out. And that, that's an act of generosity. And just appreciating those moments. It's like you're giving something to somebody else. And also, you know, as we practice the, the quality of... It's like we, we build a certain spiritual energy or a wholesome quality in the heart and mind. And uh, you know, this also can be shared with others consciously. So it's another way of, of giving. And uh, in order to do that, you have to really pay attention to you know, what is right here, what is good here, what is wholesome here. You can't do that. You can't share the merits of your life if you don't acknowledge them. So we have to you know, really take that in. And just uh, as a garden, you know, it, it, I kind of like that image of a garden because it, it does need constant tending. You know, you need to keep on tending the garden. It's not like you get to a certain point and you're done now. You need to keep on and the weeds will keep coming and the, the flowers will keep needing to be fed and watered and that's how it is. We keep doing that through our life, through our daily life and through our, you know, however long our life may be. We keep doing that. And it's not a it's not a drag because we're experiencing the beauty of that garden as we as we as we keep going. We experience the fragrance of the of generosity or virtue, of compassion, patience. And uh, and we know that the weeds are gonna keep coming, so we keep keeping an eye out for them. I think there's a there's a strong tendency to want to get somewhere. It's like ah this state now, I've got to this level, you know, we just keep coming, just keep on moving, you know. So it is a, it's a humble path. Sometimes it's, uh, we want it to be glorious and it can have moments of glory just as a garden can. But it is also humble, it's, 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 uh, you've got to keep working the, working the soil, you've got to keep digging, you've got to keep, uh, nourishing the right parts of yourself and then in the end you've got to let it all go back to nature because it all belongs to nature anyway so uh, you know it's not about any one of us becoming anything it's about uh, in a way it's like manifesting in this world in the way that can truly be of benefit to ourselves and others. 
instead of it just being about getting, having, accumulating, or getting rid of. It's about transforming and letting go. Ajahn Chah speaks a lot about the two aspects of the path. There's, there's the aspect of cultivation and the aspect of relinquishment. So if we're only cultivating, then there's still a sense of self, somebody trying to get somewhere, trying to create something to become a certain way. And if we're only relinquishing, then there's like a denial of self, of, of, of what is here. So neither of those are on their own work, but it's, it's both. We cultivate what is wholesome, we let go of what is unwholesome. We cultivate awareness of the natural state, and we let go of the trying to keep everything under control. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a paradox, actually, but it's, it's, this, it's these two aspects of practice to know. And, and the wisdom is that which, you know, our own wisdom that we have to develop is to know, well, what is it that needs to be cultivated and what is it that needs to be relinquished? And it's very important, as I said earlier, to, to meet those things with compassion. So we meet the, the, you know, the painful or the unfortunate aspects of ourselves with compassion. And if you find it uh, difficult to be aware of, of what is good, then you know, just write it down. Write it down on a piece of paper. Write down what, what, is, what has been done well, what is good, what is appreciated. And just keep on nourishing that. So we have this day to uh, remind ourselves of, of the path, which can get overgrown, and to clear away any poison oak that may have grown in it. That's, that's what we do back at our place. And just to, to keep opening and cultivating the path to awakening. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.